for another episode of Chit Chat with Corley. It is a smoky, a hazy Wednesday here in the greater Indianapolis area here in Whiteland, Indiana. And I'm joined today by none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the AD, Mr. David Edens. Always a pleasure. I think this is like maybe the second or third time you've been on a uh, Whiteland High Entertainment Network podcast. Yeah, I think it's the second one. You had me on, or Grace Molesky had me on. Somebody had me on last year, so it's about time you got me back on. Yeah, I know you've been uh, just beating down the door saying, you know, let's let's get me on here and talk a little bit. First of all, I want to talk about the article that just came out in the Daily Journal. Uh, it seems like they're trying to do kind of this, this new uh, series, State of the Athletic Department, and I had a chance to read that. And there was a lot of good stuff in there, especially because now as we enter really a very different phase that Whiteland has not had at this magnitude anyway in terms of building projects and renovations, so let's start with that. That's kind of the big thing that's been going in the last few years. Right now, we're getting ready to start breaking ground on the new natatorium. What are you most excited for in terms of the building project, not just in terms of new facilities, but what it does for Whiteland Athletics? Well, I can tell you the most exciting thing will be when they actually get started. I mean, it, most people don't see, and I did not anticipate how much went into the pre-planning of a building project. So we've been meeting weekly, every other week for a good year now. Uh, so I, I'm excited to actually see some dirt being moved, some parking lots being laid down that we've been talking about. But as far as the facilities go, I mean, it's, it's hard to get super excited because when you look at end dates, we're not, we're talking our current fourth graders will be the ones who, who see this for four years when they're in high school. But uh, when it's all said and done, our facilities will be up there with anybody else in central Indiana, or even, you know, if, if you've been around the country, you, you know how special Indiana athletic facilities are in general. So I'd put us up there with anybody in the country coming up when this thing's all done. So it's exciting for our kids, our coaches. I think it will be, it will make Whiteland a place where people want to come and stay. I think you've had probably one of the most interesting starts to anybody's high school athletic career in terms of you had COVID and then we have, you know, kind of the remnants of COVID your second year. And now you're going to this building project and some of that, you know, you, you're, you're excited for, obviously, the building. Not, not so excited, I'd imagine, for the COVID challenges. What has been probably the one thing that you have loved the most, though, about some of those challenges that they that have been presented? <laughs> that I love the most about these challenges? Well, everybody has, wow, like, a challenge at some words. point. Uh, you know, I, the pace of the job is perfect for who I am. I mean, if it was... N- I don't know what normal is, right? I haven't been a high school AD in, quote, normalcy, uh, but it's always something different. So every challenge comes up, you figure out a solution to it, you talk to people, and you move on to the next one. And it seems to be a nonstop uh, list of challenges that have come up, and which seems not like that wouldn't be the normal, because when I was at the middle school for for eight years, I didn't feel like that was the way it happened. So... You know, I, I don't know if there's a favorite part of it, but I will say this. Being new, you know, not having my set ways probably worked in my favor, especially during COVID when I hadn't been doing the job forever. So I was no further behind than anyone else when it came to dealing with the pandemic and athletics. So, right. I mean, I, I just think it is it, made a situation where the three years I've been here have gone super fast. And, you know, the pace is ever changing, which kind of suits I get kind of get bored doing the same thing all the time. So, it, you know, I, I guess that's a long answer to your question. I don't really know if I answered it or not. No, I think that makes sense. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about teachers getting burnt out, they say, well, you know, a history teacher has to teach the same lesson every single year, right? And for me as radio TV, 
yes, I'm teaching the same material, but I'm also in a way getting to see new kids make new videos and be creative in different ways. So that, that definitely makes sense. When you talk about the middle school, you touched on briefly, um, and we can cut this part if you don't want me to keep it in here, but you said that early on you were just like, go, 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 go. We had that conversation on the way thing was to the state meet. And that sometimes you dig a little burnt out towards the end about like, I'm putting all this effort into like yard signs. And then it's just like, no one cares. How have you seen maybe, is there a difference about that at the high school level? Or what do you think is just that people rally around the high school more than the middle school? What is the difference in terms of not feeling that burnout? I know it's only been three years, but it seems like you'll, you like it so far. I do. I, I really do. I, but I will say this. I mean, I really, I really think probably every high school AD should have to do a little bit of middle school AD. And, and I did it for eight years. And really, to be honest with you, that's, that was my destination job. I was super happy in that job. I didn't really anticipate, although being the Whiteland High School AD was always something that was in the back of my mind. I never really thought that the timing was going to work out because I had three kids. You know, it, it's tough the, to, to manage it all. The middle school was a little bit easier to manage time because you didn't do weekends very often. So the high school job always scared me a little bit with the time with having kids. So I thought maybe that's something that end of my career type of job. Uh, but I can't remember the, the original question. But as far as, you know, the differences between high school and middle school, if that was the question is, you know, I you have so much more help at the high school level than you have at the middle school level. I mean, you are on an island of your own. And so it forced me to learn how to do everything from budgeting, you know, distributing tickets, printing rosters, scheduling buses, all the things that at the high school you have help. You have a Lisa Woolner who does a lot of that. You have a Todd Croy. You have, you know, the community cares about what's going on. You have people emailing you all the time. How can we help? You know, do you need money? Do you need sponsors? You know, and so, I mean, I, I the my favorite part of the high school job is probably just the relevance in the community and how many people want to help and how many people pay attention. Like, you don't understand how many people pay attention to our cross-country team or our right. swim team. You know, everybody thinks football, basketball, you know, and, and of course people pay attention to that. Of course those are the ones that bring, bring big crowds. But... I'll get emails and, and, and voicemails from all over the country, literally, and, and I'm not just setting you up for for this question, but I mean, what you guys have done as far as bringing Whiteland sports to everybody has really even opened up another level of how many people care about what goes on here, and that's probably my favorite part of the high school job. Yeah, when I first started with Whiteland Beat, I'm, I'm going to share a little story here about about you that you may not even known. So I get hired on to be radio TV, and I think the first thing on the job was phone call with you, Benji, Dr. Pfeiffer, talking about how do we get this streaming set up. And the first thing I hear out of David's mouth is something about like, yeah, we're going to split the the revenue from the the tickets. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, who is this guy coming in trying to take the money that you know we're going to be the <laughs> ones broadcasting? And I was like, I'm going to hate this guy. Like, what have I got myself into? And then obviously over the next three years, you've been a great partner. And you know, you mentioned the people. I think. Uh, one that comes to mind, and if he doesn't up listening to this, Jay Klingman is an avid, avid Warriors fan. Went to school here, I believe in the '70s, and uh, you know he'll he'll comment on all of our stuff. You know whether it's golf or basketball or just a general post about the college athletes that we just posted. So that is nice to see that support pouring in from around the country. You mentioned the um, the balance of the family life, and you had Olivia that graduated. Uh, I guess now would be three years ago. You have Amelia that just graduated, and you have Nolan's going to be a sophomore. Olivia was involved in the performing arts, so there's a lot of set dates. You know, there's set performance dates. 
Amelia a little bit different her senior year where it's, you know, she's involved in swimming and track and there's a lot more dates that you have to try to be at. How was that this past year kind of balancing, you know, I've got to be the AD that's present at a lot of stuff, but you were also making a concerted effort to make it to some of Amelia's bigger events and also some of those, those road meets as well. Yeah. My kids, well, one, it's not possible without having Nicole Edens at home, you know, managing it all. Shout, shout out Nicole. I hope she listens, but that helps because you know, when you get in a room with a bunch of ADs, the support from home, it's so important. I mean, that conversation comes up all the time and you know who has support from home and you know who doesn't, you know, and so it's tough. So big shout out to her because she's kind of the one that organizes it all. But, you know, as far as missing events, I missed a lot of my kids' events as they were coming up through middle school, uh, the first part of high school as I'm trying to be at everything here. But I told Amelia, we had talked after her junior year and we had a conversation and it really wasn't her. She, she understood it. I don't, you could, you could always see when she did something amazing. I wasn't there that bothered her a little bit. It bothered a little bit and I understand it. So, you know, I, I made a, we we talked and I basically told her, I'm not going to miss anything in your senior year. And so we go back to having help. I have Todd Croy, Todd Croy. It just doesn't get any better. Todd Croy could do this job a million times and probably do it better than I do. You know, he's been doing it longer. And so, you know, he picked up and covered a lot of my slack on Saturdays when she had a swim meet or even Nolan's cross country when we have football going on here. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, it was an, her senior year. We made a point and I just wasn't going to miss anything because I didn't know what was, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Now she's got more swim meets, fortunately, but, you know, I didn't know if that was going to be it. And so, you know, we made that. That was a concerted effort by the family, and that was something we talked about. And then when you have people like Todd Croy or yourself or I can – I'm not going to name all the staff members that help cover events because I'll forget somebody. But, it, again, it just goes back to people want to help out. You know, we always focus on – you always hear about all the bad in society and all the negative. Man, I'm here to tell you there's so many people willing to help out. One, sometimes you just got to ask them, and sometimes – you know, if they feel comfortable coming to you and you have an environment where people are want to be a part of it, like I think we do here, it's amazing how much help you can get. Absolutely. And then I think it probably does get a, maybe a little bit easier now with Nolan. Cross country is specifically on Saturdays. How will you go about balancing, though, having, you know, Olivia's at Fort Wayne. You're going to want to see her for her performances, especially I know they have like some winter stuff with those concerts and in the fall. You've got Amelia that you're going to want to see swim and she's in Grand Rapids. You're going to have Nolan competing around here. So how does, how does that look? Three different cities, three kids. Uh, a lot of late nights. You know, fortunately, <laughs> a lot of driving. A lot of driving. A lot of driving north, it seems like. I don't know why my kids all chose to go north. But, uh, you know, it, fortunately for, like, Olivia's performance is usually 7 o'clock in the middle of the week. So you're talking about Fort Wayne. Those are midnight, one in the morning trips back. Uh, and this job doesn't allow me just to stay the night and take the next day off necessarily. Right. Uh, Amelia... Well, that's that has, we're going to see how that goes. Now she has a lot of swim meets, and you know, a couple in Kentucky, some northern Indiana and Michigan. So they're all drivable. A lot more weekends. So we'll see. A lot of college swim meets. It seems like are multiple days. So maybe we'll be able to get to part of them. Mm-hmm. I don't anticipate being able to do all of them because Todd does a lot of Saturdays in the fall when I'm at cross country watching Nolan run. So I've got to balance that out a little bit. Absolutely. And you mentioned Todd, and uh, I actually had a good conversation with our girls varsity assistant Jeff Kirkoff, Kelly Kirkoff's uh, father about Raymond James and you know he's he's getting a little bit older and I said you know any plans on retirement he said honestly no I just you know he's like I'm gonna keep doing this I like it 
And that's what I think of when I think of Todd Croy as someone that we've I've heard since I got here. Oh, Todd might be retiring next year, and he's like, no, I'm coming back. Like a guy that just enjoys enjoys what he does, and you know, goes out and does it, you know, full throated. I mean, if anybody has been to our golf outing, that is a Todd Croy production. Absolutely, it is 100% a Todd Croy production. I don't even know, wouldn't know how to get start with doing that. It, it, it is a Todd Croy production, and if you've been to ours and been to others, he does an amazing job. He I does. told him he he could be a Whenever he decides to retire, he could do that for a living, you know, really honestly. And I'm gonna, he's going to continue to do ours as long as I can keep, you know, throwing him a couple extra bones to do it. Uh, <laughs> that'd be great. But, no, Todd is, you know, I, I think he gets a little frustrated, to be honest with you. People often ask him, well, how much longer do you have? Which I think there comes a point where that gets annoying. You know, it's like, are they trying to push me out or what's going on? But I think it's more, and I try to explain to him, I think it's. People are concerned that they want him around. Well, and I think they're just excited. I think you get to a point, and I've entered this phase of life in my late 40s where when I get together with educators, it's talking about retirement, you know, because we're closer to that than we ever were the start of our career. And it's not necessarily people want someone to retire. It's just they're excited that they have the opportunity. I mean, Todd has what we all want in his back pocket. He can pull the retirement card. He's eligible. He's vested. He's ready to go. Now, I think he likes the job. I think... If you know Todd Croy, the man is restless. You know, he oh, needs yeah. to be going. Now, I, I can't wait till he gets a chance to retire and he and Tara can do all the things they wanted to do. I just, uh, it, it'll, that'll be rough. That, that will be tough because, you know, I, I've, I've not done this job without him. And finding that person who has the chemistry he and I do is tough. But, no, having Todd around and where he's at in his career, he just offers a lot of wisdom while still being super enthusiastic at his age and – you know, and so effective at what he does. Speaking of personnel around athletics, uh, one of the things that you mentioned in that Daily Journal article was really liking the spot that we're in with coaching right now. And when you come in as AD, you know, you've got to build those relationships. And over the course of time, you know, coaches come and go every year, but you've got to build those relationships. And then, you know, people leave and then some people, you know, you have to let go, whatever the case may be. But now you're at a position where you feel like you have the coaching that you want. How do you get to that position? Because it's also based on who applies. Well, one, I'm very lucky. We've got coaches here that were hired by Butch Zyke, you know, which was prior to 2012. When we all sit in a room as coaches, it's amazing how many years experience we have in there. Uh, and I know people say this a lot, but I would really challenge anyone to, to lay out resumes of coaches of any schools and find a better core group of coaches than we have. It's really, really tremendous what we have. I, I can't take credit for for most of them. They've been here that long. But when you go to look at hiring a coach, it's it, it's one of the it, it's my least favorite part of the job slash exciting all at the same time. It's never fun to have to hire because you just don't know what you're gonna get, right? I mean, some people are really good interviews, but they don't necessarily bring the work ethic once the job starts. Some people's resumes get overlooked and then you don't get a chance to talk to them. You're like, did I miss on somebody? And so it, it, it's, I don't love the part of hiring coaches. Now I do love the coaches that we've hired here. Uh, it's just a, you know, it's one of those things that I think professionally for myself, I hope to keep getting better at it. We've done a really good job, but it's one of those that, you know, it, it is a science I think to really sift through and find quality people. What I'm looking for always is a work ethic. I mean, that covers almost every deficiency you could have is if you're willing to work hard. So when I make these calls and I'm trying to check out, you know, when we're getting ready to make a hire, that's one of the first things I ask is how hard are they going to work? And every coach I've hired, 
I've told him you have to be the hardest worker in the program, period. Like your best player can't be the hardest worker. Your assistant coaches can't be. You have to be. And so that's what I'm looking for more than anything. That's more important to me. The knowledge of the sport, to be honest with you, is if they're willing to put the time in. When that coaching, you know, the hiring is happening, of course, you mentioned working hard, but also part of it is that you are going to be the one that is, you're, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of their boss, but you're also trying to foster that relationship, as I mentioned. What's it like when a coach comes to you and they're like, you know, I, I just want to talk through something or like, hey, I'm having this issue with my with my program because you're kind of you're there for them. Right. You're a support system, but you're also kind of the one that has to monitor and manage them as well. How do you balance that management aspect, but also being that support system as well? Well, you just have to be a listener in my job. You just have to be a listener. You know, I I don't sometimes I, I, I struggle to figure out what exactly I'm supposed to tell them. You know, am I trying to tell them what they want to hear so they don't leave because it's so easy to leave these days? Or am I trying to be brutally honest with them and tell them what I think. And so you listen to their concern. You give the absolute best advice you get. I have 24 years of experience in this game to uh, to pull from. I don't know it all, but there's very few situations that come up that I probably haven't dealt with something. Either I dealt with it the right way or I dealt with it the wrong way. But that's what I lean on when, when I come to these coaches. And I, and I think our coaches – I feel like, I guess I don't want to speak for them, are pretty comfortable coming in and, and discussing problems or telling me, you know, I don't shy away from at all of why don't we do this? Here's how we can get better and have those conversations. Sometimes it's realistic. Sometimes it's not. I mean, take some of your ideas that you show me sometimes. I mean, you have some amazing <laughs> ideas and some of them would be great if we had a Big Ten budget, you know, and yeah. so... Uh, and but, some of them are so bad, you're just like, let's just move on. I'm starting to get better at being honest with you when yeah. I don't like the, uh, the idea. But no, I... It's it's one of those that I feel like we've created a situation where coaches are comfortable coming in, and I just try to do the best I can. I'm trying to be as honest as I can, uh, and you know, normally, to be honest with you, the answer is a lot of times. And, and, and I won't name names of coaches, but there's several coaches I've said you just got to have the uncomfortable conversation. You got to go for it. You got to rip the bandaid off, and you got to you got to make that call or have that meeting because if not, things just fester, you know. And so, you know, a lot of times that's the solution to most problems is sitting down with parent a player and just having absolute sometimes brutally honest conversation and, and normally when they come back afterwards they're like i feel a lot better we got that done and over with so you know but on the flip side there are times that i have to have coaches conversations with coaches that aren't always comfortable for myself either of you know whether it's how they treated the officials the night before or you know a situation where I get a call from a parent and there's some legitimacy to what's going on. And those aren't always fun conversations, but those are things we have to do to get better. And I don't, I haven't met a coach here currently on our staff that, that shies away from, they don't always agree. We don't always leave and high five and think we're the best, but, but I think, you know, people respect that honesty for me. At least I've heard that over the years. And, and I know that we have some coaches who, I so much respect the fact they're willing to come in and, and tell me here's what here's what I think we can do better than what we're doing. I'm gonna put you on the on the hot seat here with a question. Uh, I think this was a, a few years ago. We had a, one of our programs. There was a, a group of uh, maybe student athletes that just weren't buying in. There was a lot of drama. There was stuff that stuff that was just going on. And you know, I had a conversation with you. I'm like, man, there's much drama and just bad things that keep happening with this group. I'd get tired of it and I'd kick him off the team if I was the coach. And you said, you just can't do that. Walk me through, you know, cause we, we, we see all these conversations that happen online about, 
you know, and as I get older too, it's like, oh, kids these days, right? Mm -hmm. But we see a lot about how athletics is changing. The culture of athletics has changed, but you said you just can't do that. Walk me through what you meant by that. Well, the hard part sometimes, especially for those people who either haven't been in education very long or like myself (laughs) or at all, uh, is it's real easy to say, well, here's what we should do to these kids. You know, we got to firm hand it and we got to, you know, send a message, send a message. And this is what we used to do when I was a kid. And here's what worked for me. And, And all that's great. You know, personally, I needed a coach to light me up every once in a while to get me going. However, kids have changed. Society's changed. That's just the the evolution of of what we do. And tactics that worked 30 years ago aren't naturally going to work today. You know why? Because as parents, when we didn't like what someone did, we've changed how we treat kids, you know, and done things. And so, you know, when you work in the schools and and you kind of got a thumb on how things are going you always have to try to look at it through the lens of a 16-year-old kid. And the hardest part is even further, what is that particular kid going through in their life? You mm-hmm. know, And so there's just perspective. And I think when I was having that conversation with you, it's, you know, one, if there's mass drama, that probably goes back to the leader of that group, i.e. Right. I. the coach. What are they not doing? You know, are they not connecting with their kids? Because you don't have... And you could go down the list of our, our teams. Most of our programs don't have mass drama. You know why? Because they have very strong leadership and they've created situations where kids want to be a part of it. They show that adult respect. You know, what they do outside of that sport, I, I can't speak of. But I think that conversation with you is more let's just calm down. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's see. You can't just clean house because who are you going to replace them with? Yeah, exactly. If you were if you clean twenty kids out and bring twenty more in, well, if the culture hasn't changed, you're going to have chaos still. And so it's just trying to always remember these are kids; they make mistakes. You made mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. As a parent, I've made mistakes. That's the other part I try to look at, and I and I think I do a pretty good job of, to be honest with you, is just remembering that how emotional a parent can be when they're dealing with their kid, you know? Right. And, and so a lot of that, you know, I, I, it's just how you look at things. And I think that conversation with you as a one-year educator at the time or two-year was more, well, take a breath. Let's let's figure out exactly what's going on more than anything. What I'm hearing is if, uh, if there's a coaching job open, my resume lands somewhere, you're going to tell Todd, go go ahead and shred that. We, we lost it in the shuffle. Hey, you know what? You're, what are you in year three now or four? Year three. That's Growing almost into year a better. I mean, you're almost at the top of the experience chain now. The way things turn over, so no, 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 no. Now, now I'd have to be forced to read your resume, Lucas. There you go. <laughs> well, whenever uh, well, I was going to say, kind of touching on that as well, when you think about how athletics has changed, Bob Knight. You know, I, I'm an Indiana basketball fan, and it cracks Same. me up because I, I see what you're saying. Because it cracks me up when people are like, "Gosh, if we still have Bob Knight, or we just need that, you know, that Bob Knight attitude." I'm like. Bob Knight, you'd have every single player in the transfer portal because that style especially does not work. I mean, maybe it works for one or two coaches. But at the end of the day, I, I truly think there's not many guys at the top level of college basketball, they, they quote-unquote want to win a national championship. They want to go to the NBA, and they're going to find who's the coach that's going to get them there, and they're just not going to take the extra. You know, Maybe some guys do, but they're not going to take that extra. I don't want to be screamed at and yelled at and all that stuff. So... Uh, I think that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Well, and to follow up on that, so same, Bob Knight, IU fan. Every coach I had growing up, 
that's who they emulated. It worked for me. You know, I didn't, my, my parents, I love them to death, but my, my dad wasn't super easy on us. You know what I mean? And that worked for me. And I can tell you that early in my coaching career, that was, you know, I thought very, being very rigid, screaming, yelling, all those things. And if you go back to athletes who I coached, and the silliness of it in my brain now in middle school of football, and I was acting like an idiot. You know, I, I I can't tell you. I've lost sleep over the years with with how I handled things when I was young. And I, and actually, it got to a point where I was coaching middle school football, which, again, sounds silly. And I lost the group. But you could just tell. About halfway through the season, that group shut me out. I was screaming, yelling, acting like an idiot. Tried to get that group back. I ended up quitting. You know, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Took a year off. And it was amazing the perspective that changed and how much different when I got back into coaching it was and how much better off I was. So that, you know, when you go back to your last question about, you know, taking a step back when you're having drama, I'm telling you, a lot of times it's how you handle those kids. And I, I, I came, became so much better when I realized that that doesn't work for everybody. And who likes that? I mean, honestly, who likes that? You know, even if it does work, is it enjoyable, you know, and, and – you know, you can win a state championship, and I've seen groups, and we have local teams around here from other schools who are fantastically talented, and it doesn't look like anybody's having any fun at all. You know, the combination of, of super hard coaching and expectations that are or are not being met, you have to realize that you get four years of high school sports. It has to be enjoyable, that fine line between being enjoyable and and, and and being the best you can. And so, again, long answer to your question. But I, I've made those mistakes, and I made a lot of them. And I wish I could go back and individually talk to – got about four or five kids in my brain that I would love to run into one of these days because I just acted like an idiot, you know, for no reason. But I thought that's what they needed, and they didn't need that at all. Shifting gears a little bit, one of the projects that uh, you and I kind of took on this summer was updating the college board. And uh, – one of the things that I was, as I was kind of going through and finding the years that all these kids graduated, one thing I've noticed is these last three years, especially, there have been a lot of college athletic commitments. Now, that being said, not everyone ends up going on to fulfill that commitment, right? Some people say, you know what, I committed, I don't really want to play. And I was kind of going through, I think we had 25 commitments this year. And I was looking, I was like, man, I think that probably 98% of these kids are going to go on and play at least one year of college athletics. What do you think is it just there are more opportunities now, or is it something here at Whiteland that's changing that we are getting more than we had maybe five years ago, six years ago, mid-2000s, when we still had really good athletes? And I know the size of our school is growing as well, but there's just been a lot of a lot of talent coming out of Whiteland lately. Yeah, it is. And again, that goes back to a testament of our – I think our coaches are not only preparing our kids to be better athletes, but they're instilling a love for the game. You know, like if you're miserable and you've hated your experience of playing sports in high school, you're not going to keep looking to go play. So when we have 30-plus athletes, seniors, who want to keep playing the sport, that tells me we're doing something right here because our jobs ultimately here are preparing kids for the rest of their lives. And if part of the rest of their life is going to be another chance to keep playing a game or another avenue to help pay for college, you know, uh, then I think we're doing a good job, you know, and it does continue to grow. And that college board is, it hadn't been updated since 2017. You know, I took it on and with all the things you talked about earlier going on, I was like, that is the last thing I want to, to worry about. But it came to a point where I've had enough emails from people, Hey, I I should be on here. And, And they're right. They should. And so, uh, 
you know, updating that, thank goodness you were willing to to help out and, and Mr. Croy, and we found a good way to update it and it'll go forward. But, yeah, I, I think it's exciting to see how many kids want to keep playing. And, again, I think that is 100% a testament to the experience they had here and wanting to continue to do that. And not just here. I mean, obviously, there's coaches outside of here. You look at softball players, a lot of their experience in softball are coaches don't you know, we have them for three months. They play for another coach for nine months. So there's a lot of good people who are in, who are impacting these kids, and there's more opportunities to play. I mean, when I was in high school, there was one travel baseball team in the state of Indiana. That, that's all there was. And so your exposure wasn't as good. And I don't know if there was more or less emphasis on playing college athletics, but, you know, certainly there's there's a ton of opportunities. But those colleges have always been there. I don't think there's any more universities than there has been, but our kids are just – gaining the interest of these colleges and they want them playing. And I think, you know, when you get to a point where your school is 2000 plus and you're playing in the mid state conference, which is one of the premier conferences in Indiana, you know, people want those kids and they know that they have, they've come through good programs and they're going to be prepared for what they're doing. I also think too, that one of the nice things about these kids that go on is if you're, especially the longer you stay with that collegiate program and, you know, hopefully for a lot of them, four years, then you also have the itch maybe to stay with it later in life where you get back to coaching. We just went up to Purdue uh, for the Purdue girls basketball team camp with uh, our Whiteland Warriors. And one of the things that was cool to see with Coach Kirkhoff is, you know, Co- uh, Katie Geralds, who coached her at Marion, is now the head coach at Purdue. And a lot of the girls on her staff are girls that Kelly played with. You've got, I think, two GAs that she played with. And then we played Lafayette Jeff last night in the shootout. Another one of Kelly's teammates is there. And so I think you also see not everyone, but you see a a continued interest in staying around the sport. And I, th- I think you've mentioned to me that maybe Amelia one day would like to coach some swim. I think Joey Butler is someone that wants to coach some wrestling. Uh, you know, as Scott Parrish has mentioned, hey, after I get done at Huntington, I'm going to come back and my coach pole vault here. I'm like, well, let's get through your next four years first, Scott. But I mean, that's nice to hear that these kids have a a, a lifelong love affair with the sport that they play. Yeah, and I, and I think they see the impact that adults have had on them and they want to, to pay that back and do their own thing with it. And so, no, it's, you know, I, I played division three baseball, you know, and I was mediocre at best at the division three baseball and our team was less than mediocre, but I learned so much in those four years of college baseball that I didn't know coming out of high school, you know, you know, some of them, weren't always the most wonderful things, the unwritten rules of the game and different things like that. But it's amazing what those next four years of, of being around a whole new group of people and bringing their experiences into it, how, how impactful that is. And so it's, it's exciting to see how many kids are going. And again, you cross your fingers and you hope they, they stay four years. Most of them, not most, a lot of them won't. But even if they get one year of that experience, it, it's a great thing, I think. I want to kind of bounce off the college board. One of the things that we had to do, because just to kind of go over it real quick, the update being that if you've played one year of collegiate athletics, you'll be featured on the board. And instead of in the past where it was very tough to keep up with how many years did they play? Did they start this year or this year? We've gotten rid of the years that will be played. And instead we'll have the Whiteland graduation year for that athlete. Well, part of that was going through old yearbooks and finding all the grad years. And one thing that stuck out to me as I'm going through the late fifties and the sixties. And now I'm in the seventies is there are a lot of names that have been in those yearbooks for 40, 50 years, a lot of families here in Whiteland. And one thing that people have worried about as Whiteland continues to grow is that we may see that to start to shrink a little bit, or maybe people want still that small school feel. So maybe they go to Indian Creek instead, or maybe they, maybe they go over to Greenwood or whatever. What would your pitch be to families that have been a part of this community for a long time of 
yes, Whiteland is growing. And I think you mentioned maybe a little bit of this in the Daily Journal article, but this is still the place for you. Yeah, I, it's tough for me. So obviously I'm a little jaded or not jaded. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but this is the place I know, you know, as hard as much as I tried to get out of Johnson County, it just didn't happen for me. I went to Franklin College. I desperately tried to get a teaching job anywhere but Whiteland because I just didn't necessarily want to be perceived as that person who just was always at Whiteland. However, some perspective of life now, 47 years old, I'm so glad that I was able to stay here and see these changes and maybe bring, bring some perspective to new community members like yourself of, of why this place is special, you know, and it's probably, it's probably no more special than anybody else in the town they grew up in. I get it. But you know, what, what I would say to those people who, you know, think it's getting too big is let's sit down and talk about what do you mean it's getting too big? Is it just because the number's 2000? Is it just because, you know, people look different than they used to, you know, is it, you know, you're not used to so much diversity in your school. What is it that you feel like, has changed and then let's sit down and talk because I still see a lot of familiar faces at games and I still see a lot of people who've been around and we still sit around and talk about you know how much things really haven't changed at the same time so I, I don't know I don't I'm not saying that for some kids a smaller school isn't a better fit especially if they're not involved in, in a group I think you can get lost in a building this size if you don't have a some sort of extracurricular you're involved in whether it's sports or something else that would be tough. I don't know how kids do. We we forced our kids to choose something, a passion, for that exact reason is you need a group of people who with common interests as you. So, you know, I, I think at the core of it all, if you're involved, you know, there's still 22 people on the basketball team, the same as when the school was 300 people and there were 22 people on the basketball team. So, you know, things grow and change around it. But I think at the core, it's still a town with the same values and it's still a town that rallies around success. You know, any given night, especially when our teams are winning, it, it doesn't look feel any different than it did in 1994 when I graduated. Yeah, I think I can, you know, echo that as well. I had a chance after I went to Indiana for, for college, and then after there I had a chance to go away, I went to Evansville, you know, the big city, if you will, and then to Knoxville, and then came back home. And one thing that was always nice about that time at home, and I miss it sometimes, but I love where I'm at right now, is you go out to dinner and, oh, there's my buddy's parents or there's you know some friends that were a couple years older than me. And then uh, always I think when we were in high school, we'd always kind of laugh. We'd go out to dinner and like, oh, look at these old guys or whoever just talking about, you know, that song is so true, Glory Days, you know. And then you think about, well, what am I talking about now? Well, I'm reminiscing. Like, that's just part of it. And when you go away, like nothing wrong with going to a new city and trying new things, absolutely. But the one thing I can always say about living near or in your hometown is it's filled with memories. It's filled with great people. Hopefully, if you enjoyed your experience growing up and you always have that sense of community that, yes, you can meet new neighbors and things like that. Like if I move to Chicago tomorrow, I'm going to meet new people. But you're not going to have that immediate support system and people that know all the stuff you're talking about and and really just appreciate where you came from. And the familiarity with it. You know, again, I... I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what this town, you know, supports and what it doesn't support. We have those conversations times that I don't think that would fly here, you know. And so it's just a familiarity, and some people don't want that. They want to change, and they, 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 the worst thing they could think of is staying in their hometown, which is I'm okay with that. You know, I've encouraged my kids get away, go, go, do your own thing. But at the end of the day, it's always nice to know that 
You have a place to come back to that you're familiar with. And again, having been here through all of this growth, I still feel that it's a pretty familiar feeling to what it was when I grew up. My kids wouldn't don't have a lot different experience than I had. They just have a lot more classmates than I had, to be honest with you. It does, I think, maybe bother me a little bit just whenever, like when I was in high school, people would say, I cannot wait to get out. Of, I went to Floyd Central. Cannot wait to get out of Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Just a small town in Indiana. Like, first of all, Floyd's Knobs is not really that small, right? Like we were talking about, uh, I think I was with Gunnar Renard, Coach Renard, about what are... When you think of small town USA and what are some Indiana cities? And we said like, you know, like a Rushville is a small town USA or like Spencer, where he came from. I'm like, Floyd's Knobs isn't that small. Two, I said, what other places are you going to have where you have the rural, like countryside of southern Indiana? You can go down to New Albany, Clarksville, Jeffersonville and have that suburban, like, you know, the shops and all that. And if you want the city, you have Louisville right across the street. And I'm, I make that case a lot to kids now. They're like, I can't wait to get out of Whiteland. I'm like, I hear you. I, I hear that you want to travel. But also don't take for granted that you have the beauty of the farm fields and the farmland and the rural aspect of Johnson County. You can go up the road to Greenwood. You have the malls and the shops. And if you want a downtown experience, you have Indianapolis. Like there's a lot of people that don't live within 20 minutes of a metropolitan area. And then you can drive a little bit further out and you're also in the country. Well, and and again, I'm happy for anybody who goes somewhere else, you know, but it's still whether let's we've been to New York City a lot. Our family loves New York City. If I was to live in New York City which would be great. You still got to find your small group of people. So you're right. shrinking it down to your experience. So wherever you're at, it's just what experience you want to have. If I moved tomorrow, you know, when when Nicole and I retire and we just if we decide we're going to camp for we're going to camp out 3 months in Maine because that's our dream. You're still going to make it small and find your group of people no matter where you're at. And so all all I would encourage someone is if you can't wait to get out of Whiteland, wherever you go, just fully invest yourself in that community. You know, it and I don't think other than the scenery maybe around you, it's going to be that much different. People are people. Towns are towns. Maybe they have better restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe they have a beach. But it's still your experience and what you're going to make it. So I, I, I feel like that's what people – when you're 18, you don't have that perspective. You know what I mean? Of, you know, I can't wait to get out of Whiteland. That's fine. But you're going to go to Boston and talk to the same 10 people every day. You oh. know, I mean, what what's the – I don't know what the difference is, but it are is you, what it is. Are you a Seinfeld fan? I'm not. Uh, well, then people that are Seinfeld fans, they'll, they'll get this reference. It's like you said, going to New York, you find your same group of people. Seinfeld, the entire, they hung out the same people and they went to the same restaurant to eat every single, you know, time that they're on, you know, that's TV, obviously. But it's like, you're not going to be like, oh, let's take the subway for an hour and a half and go try this new restaurant, you know, in the other part of New York. Like, you're probably going to find your little area and you're going to try those things. So, and for me, the, the, being comfortable and knowing what was already here, it just made sense for me. Now, my wife, you would have to talk to her and get her perspective on it. She'd be a good one to have on here, I think. But, uh, you know, she's not from Whiteland. She, I don't think, had ever heard of Whiteland before her, her and I met. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what her take on this is. But, again, it's just it's where you live. It, it, the What town you live in, I don't think matters as much as what you decide to do with your life experience, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing I want to talk about just, uh, you know, as we get closer to the fall seasons is, you know, we talked about the state athletic department kind of, you know, in the broader sense, but kind of thinking about program by program, what would you say are some programs that are on the rise that maybe people should have their eye on coming up this uh, next uh, athletic calendar? I don't like these questions cause I'm going to leave somebody out. Uh, on the rise, since you specifically ask on the rise, that insinuates that, you know, maybe the success level of that program hasn't always been consistent. You know, I, I am 
super excited about the direction of our boys' soccer program, if we're speaking of the fall, right? Um, and I'll touch on others if I get off track because I tend to pull me back in, Lucas. But uh, Coach Van Horn and his staff have put so much time into this. He had a vision, I'm wanting to say six, seven years ago, of really creating a solid feeder program to fill his high school because the problem we were having was kids don't grow up here playing soccer. They grow up playing soccer in Center Grove or they grow up somewhere else playing soccer. Then they make relationships and go to school there. Uh, and so he decided, you know, we, we need to keep kids, give kids in, in Whiteland a chance to play soccer in Whiteland when they're growing up with Whiteland kids so that they go to Whiteland. That is so much more work than anybody realizes. Like it's that if, if you don't know how much work that is, it's a ton. It's a sacrifice of not only his family time and everything else, but again, I got to move on here. I can't talk all day, but I'm super excited about that program. I mean, I think he's going to have 70 to 80 kids try out for the soccer team, which is unheard of around here. You know, we, we added a third team last year, not because, you know, we demanded to have a third team because we had so many kids try out that could actually play some mm -hmm. soccer that we had the kids to do it. And so I think we'll even have more tryouts. So boys soccer, you know, you look at their wins and loss records, Justin's going to tell you that, that he's not happy with it. You know, and if you, you don't see a ton of championships in that program up to this point, but man, they're doing some really good things. Um, Staying with soccer, I would say one that comes to mind for me is girls soccer had that 10 win season last year. They lose a few seniors, but you have a lot of young talent returning as well and a chance to maybe repeat with that success. And then you have a really good middle school team too. And again, that's part of being in Whiteland and in I don't know how many high school ads know their middle school right. teams coming up. Man, but that part of it was up the middle school. But there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to be excited in that program for sure. Uh, but yeah, girls soccer is definitely the talent level has raised tremendously from what it was even ten years ago. Uh, you know, another program, and again, my son's in this, so it's easy for me to see it from a dad's perspective. Of you know, we had Jerry Emerson running across country for years and years and years and years and years, and he does an amazing job. So naturally, you would think when the longtime super successful coach gets out, there's going to be a drop. But Scotty Kern has stepped right in and really capitalized on the relationships he built with the kids at the middle school level. When I drop kids, up, my son off in the morning here, those numbers are outstanding. I mean, they're going to be solid. Our, our boys' cross-country team is on the cusp of being really good in the next couple of years. They're just talent. Our girls' cross-country team has always had solid individuals, but now they're starting to build some depth. So that's another program this, this fall that I'm super excited about. You know, and football is always, you know, tends to be solid, and they're going to continue to be good. Mike Gillespie has built an absolute it's, – it's hard to use the word dynasty because you don't see state championships all over, but – my goodness, he's probably won 85% of our matches in the last 10 years, and it's just consistently good. And so I don't want to leave anything out. Another program I'm really excited about this fall, and I think I'm going to end up naming all the programs, but uh, volleyball. You know, we have a brand-new coach, Jennifer Munn. She comes from Perry Meridian. She had a nine-year coaching run as an assistant in a very good program. Uh, I think that program right now with the, the mix of seniors – who have going to be four-year varsity players now and some really good younger girls. I think that's a program that may catch some people off guard a little bit. When I, I talked to her a couple weeks ago and I said, all right, 
tell me, tell me the, 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 the honest truth. Are we, where are we at compared to where you thought we would be? She's like, oh my gosh, we are so much more talented than, than I expected. Having seen Whiteland the past few years, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm really excited. She's like, I don't know why we shouldn't win a bunch of games, you know? And so that's another program we're excited about in the fall. I'll throw one more since we've named all the other ones. Girls golf, we've got a second year for Coach DeClerc, and I was talking to Chloe Cooper, uh, and she said that she was going to be putting in a lot of time this summer. So I know they started to see – and, again, you talk about a program that you're not going to see a lot of sectional and county and conference you know, banners hanging up there. But the scores, when we started following it a little bit last year with you know just the scores every day. Like we're seeing the improvement from last year and we're seeing improvement over the course of the season. And hopefully that continues to grow this year. Yeah. As a matter of fact, right before I walked in here, Katie DeClerc called me, you know, because of the air quality that we have today, which is a brand new reason to cancel things. She said, Hey, am I supposed to go play golf today? And I, I forgot that they have a standing Wednesday tea time all summer. So they're playing golf every week, you know, multiple times they are playing 18 holes on Wednesdays and they're, 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 playing as much as they can other than that and so yeah that's another program i'm glad you mentioned them that i think you'll see a vast improvement for sure now the hard part about girls golf is we are stuck in an area where there's some so much talent mm-hmm. so the championships that can't be how we judge that success because you're just not going to win them right now that's not where we're at but man they're going to be way 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 better than they were last year and the year before and you know again you got some good young kids coming through you've got some kids in the elementary level with parents who are college golf coaches coming through. And so and, you know, and when you have the right people like Katie in place, they're going to foster those relationships young and we're just, it's going to pay off in the long run here. We'll finish with this. Uh, don't want to keep you too much longer. I'm going to, it's another tough one. All right. And I don't want to run around to answer. I want you to, to, to dig deep in the, the mind here and give me I've a, got to be the direct answer. Like I tell coaches, huh? Yeah. Gotcha. Direct answer for the audience here. Don't ask me what the number one program in the Whiteland is. Don't no, do no, no, that. no, no, Okay. No. But I'm going to ask something similar, all right? Since you've been at Whiteland, you graduated in, what, 93? Easy now, 94. 94, sorry, yeah. 94. So in your time, let's say from the beginning of your high school career to now, as much as you can remember, and there's going to be a lot of people you're going to have to go through your mind here, post-Whiteland, so collegiate and, and on, most successful athlete or athlete that you had the most fun following their career after Whiteland. <laughs> No pressure. Can I have more than one or not? You can give me your top three. Okay. If you top got three. three. Well, one is easy, and it's it's because of the relationship I had with this. Out of money. There you go. So that's an easy one. You know, when, when you talk about Ivy League and you grow up in central Indiana, that's like a, a myth, a legend that isn't even real. And having been able to experience that with with Adam as far as seeing what it's like and watching him – come from a central Indiana kid. You talk about, you know, building a community to being the center of the social community at Yale. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at. You know, it's who you surround yourself with. So, that, so that's one that was fun. Uh, very successful there. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever saw him play, he had a pick six in that game, you know, and so it was, that was really fun to watch. Uh, and he is also a baseball player here at Whiteland, correct? And basketball player. And basketball. Yeah. Uh, maybe, it's oh, a tough one. If you're talking about who I would consider on the male side, maybe the best athlete that and that I can think of and went on to do, I could sit at home and watch him on ESPN, uh, Ashton Parrott. Ashton Parrott, I coached him in baseball, which I'm taking no credit for his success. Uh, but, you know, he, he went on to Liberty, which at the time, 
it was kind of like, ah, oh, Liberty, you know, like you thought, why is IU Purdue? These people not after him. So Liberty was something that I didn't was real familiar with. And fast forward two years, I'm watching him on ESPN play South Carolina and the Super Regional of Baseball, and he had an amazing career as a pitcher and an outfielder there. And so I think we've had like six athletes go to Liberty now. Like it's yeah, don't call us the pipeline, but yeah, exactly. And so he was one that, and then he ended up playing some professional baseball after that. Uh, on the girls' side, there's been you know people don't understand. There's been some really really strong individual athletes uh, going back to before I was even in high school, and I remember the name of Julie Marks who blew my mind because she went to Clemson. And when you were a kid growing up and somebody goes to Clemson from Whiteland, it was amazing. You know, she was a volleyball player uh, and her daughters have gone to Center Grove and been ones on Wisconsin, a national champion. And they're amazing too. So that was another one. Her brother played football at IU. He coached me, you know. uh, So that was always cool. There's somebody I went to school with. uh, Her name was Amy Pickett. Uh, maybe lamb her married name maybe amy lamb now but she played volleyball at butler had a very successful career there uh see i have an easier time with this because i've only been here for three yeah, years so i'm like oh yeah. yeah i'm going back to 1995 in my brain here uh most recently you know obviously how cool was it to watch debbie hills run oh, you yeah. know uh it's unfortunate that the that that NCAA Division three level isn't picked up bigger on national. I mean, I could watch it, which is right. the technology I was able to watch on my phone during the track awards, by the way. I was sitting there watching it, like holding my breath as they were in extra innings. And so that was really awesome. Uh, you know, I, I to be honest with you, without mentioning any more names, because I'll leave someone out, I, th- I, I think these kids would be surprised to know just how much I sit on my couch and follow what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I can tell you Macy Cornelius' stats. You know, I... I Riley McMahon, which is an obscure name that a baseball player that some people you know, you probably don't even mm-hmm. know him went to Huntington. I can tell you where they're at, you know. And so it's I follow all of them. So for me, I don't I don't know if one, two, three of them, but it's it's so fun to see their success no matter what level they're at. And don't get caught up on the division levels because again, people get caught up in well, that's D three or that's an AIA when when they're leaving Whiteland. And leading programs at the next level, I don't care what level it is, that's good stuff. And Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. There's still thousands upon thousands of athletes at all levels, whether that's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, uh, junior college. Um, I feel like I'm missing one here. Professional level, you know, we've had that. I did that breakdown, and, you know, we have guys that have gone on to play, uh, you know, in, in minor league systems. And we actually do – I have to break – break it to you i think we do have to add one more before chelsea hmm. boone jimmy dugan jimmy dugan that's I, a, probably the only uh whiteland grad to have a major league of bat I would story assume. time yeah he uh, graduated from whiteland we think around like 1903 potentially he was born two years before chelsea boone 1885 he's born goes to franklin college plays a couple years there gets picked up by a minor league team and then 1911 back when i, I tell people like he played for the st louis browns like wait what I'm like, yeah, that's now like they stopped playing ball in the 50s, but played in the 1911 game for the Browns, had four at bats, got a hit, and they lost. But and that was the only game he played, and he got sent back down. But I'm like, gosh, and we didn't even know that until this past spring. We were, I was watching League of Their Own. I was trying to figure out if Jimmy Dugan, the character that Tom Hanks plays, was like a real baseball player, and that character wasn't even based on that Jimmy Dugan. It's just yeah. based on two other guys. So, but, but kind of to finish. Great side note, by the way, Lucas. Uh, but to, to finish my thought, it, <laughs> I'm the one it was the, topic there. <laughs> uh, the experiences that they're having at the next level, again, no matter what level that is, it's just such good life experience. I mean, they had their their, their time in Whiteland. 
it's it's awesome to see them leave. And when they succeed, you know that, man, that kid is set. Not only did we see the best of them here, but this wasn't the peak of their existence. They've gone to do the exact same thing or better at the next level and impact people and have people impact them. And it's just, that's the fun part of the job to see where they end up, to see where they land. And so to answer your question, those are the names that come to my head as far as some really high level individual success. But if you're listening, which you, I don't know how many people listen to these things and you went here and you graduated here and your stats are attainable, I guarantee you, I can tell tell you what they are because that's my wife will look at me sometimes like, she knows I'm looking up anything Whiteland related, you know, stats or whatever. And, and so it's just, I, I can tell you almost all of them. I'd be way. interested to know what your screen time is on a given week when you get that report on a Sunday. You know what? It's, uh, it, it just recently was around three hours, probably a little bit less well, than that. Summer. Three it's hours summer, per day. So, so I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm not on it too much, but probably not as much as you would think. Not as much as my kids are. I can tell you that. Well, that is David Edens, the athletic director here at Whiteland Community High School. Always a great chance to catch up and, uh, you know, uh, always appreciate when you come on our broadcast whenever we're doing stuff and we have to fill some halftime uh, airwaves and come up and give us uh, some updates as well. Do we ever figure out the uh, athletic slogan? We never decide on one. What are you thinking? What are we thinking there? We do like the champions we, are born, not built. This is a this is or a built, not born. Was it? Yeah, but that's like a steal. I'm stealing that from Champions 101. I have a T-shirt that already says that on it, which I don't even know if I'm allowed to use that or not. But we sat around Amelia, Nicole, and I sat on the couch, and I was like, I need some slogans, and so we went through slogans, and most of them were just silly. But uh, I haven't. I just got to pick one. I put way too much thought into this because Live, laugh, it, love. <laughs> at the end of the day. Probably no one cares nearly as much as I do, and 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 so I just got to pick one so I can have 500 T-shirts ready by when school starts. So. Time's running out. So, yeah. all right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Chit Chat with Corley. We'll be off next week for the July Fourth holiday, but when we get back, a couple more episodes before we wrap up the season and school gets back in session. Only about three and a half weeks left. That's not mm. good, but that does it. We'll see you next time on Chit Chat with Corley.